Hello, welcome to the Phoenix Nest, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. You heard that right. I think that's the first time that's ever come out of my mouth. I'm Jess. And I'm Kat. And today we're going to be talking about the first 14 chapters of The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Cat, uh, do you have any opening thoughts, statements, anything you'd like to say before we get into it? Uh, I feel like this book was not what I expected. It was a lot more relatable than I expected it, like as a whole novel. Okay. Because I got through it pretty quickly. But a lot of what's in there is way more relatable than you would think it was going to be based on the blurb on the back. Yeah. Yeah. I picked this one up last year. Yeah, because this book came out last year. Yeah, exactly. I'm so not caught up with the times. Uh, So I picked this up last year uh, based on a review that I saw on YouTube. A lot of people on the quote-unquote booktube were going crazy about this. And I watch some of those videos when I'm bored or when I'm, like, cleaning house. Someone talking about book just makes me really happy. So I picked it up not really expecting it much out of it. I don't... I didn't read a lot of romance prior to right the inception of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And now I have an overflowing shelf of it. <laughs> but... When I picked this one up, I was interested to see what the author would do with a character who had Asperger's. It's not something that you normally see. I thought it'd be interesting. And then I fell in love with it. Apologize now for um, hitting the microphone. There are gnats in this fucking apartment. (laughs) It's making me crazy. If I scream at any point, I'm sorry. Uh, so reading just the blurb. Right. What did you think? I was a little bit concerned because I feel like people who are, I, I want to say this correctly because it's, it is a very delicate thing, especially with, um, like working with kids because you don't ever use that term. Neuro- in neurodivergent right no. we don't ever use that term okay um we use like autism scale or autism spectrum or high functioning or you okay. know whatever it is but so that's a little bit different because i think that that's more of a term that's applied to maybe the writing world rather than the education world which is what i'm familiar with so when we talk about um students that have autism or asperger's we definitely understand that there's a difference mm-hmm. and that there are different variations of that. Like you can have so many different combinations of symptoms and um, just different needs in routine and pattern and emotional needs and reactions that that person will have. And honestly, it's not very different from just what another person needs. A lot of the things that are very common are things like anxiety especially with, like, schedule changes or um, interest or obsession with things, which was all something that was in this book. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what was really nice was this made it really relatable to people because it wasn't so much focused on, oh, my God, she's autistic. It was more focused on she has, like, a set pattern of what she needs to do. It was very focused on her routine right, and what she does within her routine. Which is a real thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, it's not like the um, OCD kind of routine. No. Where you have to do things continuously or in a specific pattern. 
although that can be like part of it it's more like if your teacher or your thing isn't where it's supposed to be at the right time and it's a sudden change it can throw off your entire day your entire week your it's it can just get really sticky i related to stella with her routines uh as someone who experiences very high levels of anxiety, mm-hmm. I do have very specific routines. I li- any literally this is so bad. In the shower, there is a specific routine that I go through every time I shower. You know, people are like, "Don't wash your hair every day." Sorry, I can't do that. If that's just <laughs> not a thing I am able to do, the anxiety is too great. Uh, so I have a very specific way of living my life in, in my routines when right. I'm getting ready for work. I leave the house every morning at the exact same time. Right. I won't go in earlier. Um, my shower tune routine is very specific. Um, my after shower routine is also very specific. And it's down to like the exact time that things should be happening. Sure. And I think that that's a lot more normal than people ever want to talk about it being. Yeah. And that's a really unfair way to kind of categorize people like, oh, you can't deviate from your routine. You're, you have like a mental health problem. That's not at all what it is. And that's not to say that like having anxiety means that you have Asperger's. No. Because that's no. absolutely not what it means. Because there's like specific testing and just a lot more that goes into it. But having a routine is like, to me, a very comforting thing. For me, a lot of my anxiety centers around being late mm-hmm. or um, specifically like my shower routine centers around. I have this really insane fear of being the person who has greasy hair or smells weird. <laughs> so like my routines are very specific to cover those things. And those are anxiety related things. Stella's things are routine related due to her Asperger's. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's okay. And I loved that Stella was portrayed in a way that didn't make her Asperger's to be this big, great thing. Right. She is a 30 year old working woman who is functioning in life, and her being on the autism scale has no bearing whatsoever on who she is as a person. Right. And I want to talk a little bit about it's important that she lives by herself. Yes. And even though she doesn't have what we would consider like true friendships, like she doesn't have really work friends and that kind of stuff, that she still does a lot of normal things. Like, oh yeah. The work obsession that she has is definitely an obsession based around what we know of her Asperger's, mm-hmm. but she enjoys it. It's not that she's doing it because she has to do it. Like, that's part of it, definitely. But she really loves it. She goes to work mm-hmm. every day. Right. And she enjoys being there and looking at her numbers and graphs and figuring all that stuff out. And I think it would have been a much different story and a much different feeling of connecting with her had she not enjoyed her work. Had she been doing something that was like the family business. Or, you know, something where she was expected to do all of this stuff. This is because she likes it. I also really enjoyed that this was a book 
written by an own voices author. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helen Huang has since come out and stated that she was diagnosed and is on the autism scale. And her discovery with that later in life, because this didn't happen until she was a little bit older, uh, is what sparked her idea to write this book. Mm-hmm. And I found that incredibly fascinating. I actually didn't know that until probably about two months after I'd read the book the first time. So I have read the book twice. I did not read it a third time. So bear with me if I forget a couple things. I just didn't we'll, have time. We'll try our best to forgive you. <laughs> uh, so the overarching theme of this is Stella trying to become what she thinks society wants her to be. More importantly, her mother. Her mother, yes. The book starts off, we meet Stella Lane. She's 30 years old. She's an econometrist. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Yeah. So she likes numbers. And uh, it starts out with having lunch with her family. It's Sunday. And her mom is basically pressuring her to be in a relationship and give her grandchildren. Which is kind of a normal interaction i feel with a lot of people and their parents i'm glad someone else thought that was normal because <laughs> i didn't but her i mom also may be a bit more straightforward than most parents because her mom starts being like just get on tinder yeah you no. can find someone who will like you on tinder and i was like oh my god if my no. mother was like get on tinder i'd be like you're crazy <laughs> thankfully I'm my mom has never done that, that. <laughs> mom don't ever suggest tinder it's the worst uh i didn't grow up hearing those things from my parents ever it was never even a suggestion uh but i guess they realized that their kid was queer a lot sooner than their kid did (laughs) so uh i never had that experience so i thought it was kind of rude on the mom's side i think it's one of those things where from the parental standpoint It's like, oh, man, I really want to be a grandparent. And that kind of starts becoming like a thing you talk about. Like, oh, do you even want to have kids? And then it turns into the your biological clock is ticking kind of a thing. And it's like, okay, (laughs) cool. (laughs) I'm not anywhere near close to that. Yeah, it's something like that, right? Where this is like what you want for your kid and kind of what you want for yourself. But the way that her mother approaches it is very... um, I want to say rude. It was very straightforward. Yeah. There was very little tact in it. Because you could tell it wasn't the first time that this oh, no. was a conversation no. between them. Yeah. And this conversation uh, leads to Stella kind of saying, okay, whatever. But she kind of starts to think about it. She goes to work and uh, her skeezy co-worker, Philip James, whom I don't like, it, he's... He is one misstep away from being fired for sexual harassment in my for book. For a lot of reasons. Yeah. He's really gross. So she has this encounter with him mm-hmm. in the office. Uh, it's Sunday, so she's the only one in the office, or so she thinks. And uh, Philip comes back to the office because he, quote unquote, forgot something. That something is a giant box of condoms. And, uh, First of all, why are you bringing those 
into work. Even if they're in a plastic bag. Those bags are see-through, dick. Don't do that. I just feel like that's a weird option. Like, did you pick them on your way to work? And then you left them? I don't know. But the implication is that he is going on a date with the new intern. Right. Which is disgusting. So don't do shit like that. Don't pick up your potential bed partner in the office because now you have to see them all the time. Well, it sounds like he, this isn't the first time he's done this. Either. Oh, no. This is like his thing. Like, oh, they're young and they're kind of, you know. They're kind of dumb. Naive. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Gullible. So hated him yeah. i still hate him uh well he only gets worse so. he does he only gets worse so this sparks a conversation with stella uh, about uh whether or not she's ever had sex which is also a rude thing to ask a co-worker in like it's a disgusting thing that's not a normal conversation especially about that person if you don't have that relationship like hey have you ever had sex? Like, that's a weird question. It is a very weird question. And a very personal one. And for someone who is as different as she is, not that she's weird about it, but, like, he's kind of accusing her of, like, I don't know, like, being bad at sex or, like, not being able to find a guy or whatever. Yeah. But but I think he uses the fact that she is different. He doesn't understand why she's different. Right. And he kind of uses that against her. And the conversation that she has with Philip kind of makes her realize, okay, he says that if I practice, I'll get better at it and I'll enjoy it more. Because the experiences that she's had up to this point, she is not liked. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like him. Mm-hmm. Which is understandable. I mean, sometimes sex just sucks. Well, and it's important to also point out that she doesn't really like to be touched. No. And when you don't like to be touched very much and you're not the one that initiates, like, romantic touching, I feel like that's a little bit different, too. I hate being touched. I hate it. I hate being touched unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. It's something that I have experienced for probably about 10 years now. Uh, I was in a... I was married. Just what I'll say. I was married and he was very clingy. And after the divorce, I do not like being touched. Don't come up behind me and put your hand on my back. Don't brush against me, especially if you're a stranger. If I don't know you, don't touch me. Don't do it. Um, Cats actually witnessed a few times my panic getting stuck in situations that I, I, where someone like just hugs you. Oh God, it's yeah. the worst. If you ask for it, there are people in my life that I'm okay with that. Um, obviously, my niece and nephew, my daughter, they're welcome at any point to reel me in for a hug. They know that. Um, my daughter knows not to if I'm kind of exhibiting the signs of body language saying don't don't approach. She knows to ask. She understands consent. But I don't like being touched. So, like, I understand where Stella's coming from in that respect. That was very relatable to me. You know, her routines and the fact that she doesn't like being touched. I am not on the autism scale. uh, But those are just some of my quirks. I just don't like it. Just don't fucking touch someone you don't know. Just don't do it. I think it's always a smart 
idea to give someone the opportunity to say no. Yeah. And that you need to be prepared to accept when someone says that they don't want something. Yeah. So, like, when I talk to my students and they're having a hard day, I say, do you want a hug? Mm-hmm. And then it's their choice. If, yeah. they, if they feel like, yeah, that's a comforting thing right now when I'm upset, sure, they can have a hug. Yeah. But if they're like, no, I'll be okay, then I'm like, okay. That's, I mean, that shouldn't offend you. No. Regardless of your relationship with that person, if they aren't down for whatever the touching the kissing the hand holding whatever it is don't do you're going to have to get over being butthurt you're just going to because if you're going to make them do it it becomes this awful routine of like you have to guilt me into it yeah or you're going to be mad at me and no one likes that so i am fortunate enough to be surrounded by people who understand that i do not like to be touched right um I can tell you probably the exact day the last time I hugged my mom, (laughs) which is really sad. Sorry, mom. I love you, but thank you for respecting my boundaries. Uh, But we find that Stella realizes that, you know, maybe if she does practice sex some more, it might become more enjoyable. And it won't be something that she kind of leaves her body when it happens. So she gets online and she does a Google search for an escort because she needs a professional. And who better to consider a professional than an escort? Right. So enter in Michael Fan. He is Vietnamese and Swedish. And he is described as looking like the k-pop star daniel henny and he hates it (laughs) he does not enjoy it uh so stella hires him but we start to learn a little more about about him uh he is struggling with finances he doesn't live in the best apartment it's kind of small it's kind of dingy it's kind of whatever and we learn that he started having sex for money but we don't know why he needed that money what were your first impressions of Michael? That <laughs> that was a really difficult one because I kind of understood why Stella thought this was a good idea. But the other part of me was just like, all parts of this are just really skeezy. And it took a little bit for me to adjust to this idea of hiring a male prostitute sex to, to teach you sex, right? And that's a really difficult thing because it's one of the things that just sounds gross to me. That's because we live in a world where we would just rather go without than to hire someone. It's just for me, when I want to do anything romantically with someone, I need to trust them like a lot. And they have to be someone that I want to actually be around And when you hire someone to do all those things, you get a character. Like, you get a fake person. It's like we talked about a couple weeks ago. Like, when you go on Tinder, you're seeing the best version that that person can make up of themselves. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the same concept. It's the exact same concept. It's just not something that I would ever be like, that sounds like a great idea. But then, you know, there are tons of movies that are based off of this kind of thing. Um, Hiring an escort or hiring someone to be your date for something pretty woman yeah well and uh the wedding date that was a more recent one that's still an old one though have i seen that one it's um deborah messing and dylan mcdermott nope 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 well he's a male escort 
And she huh. reads about how, you know, he does, like, a really good job and he's always, like, at people's weddings and stuff and you can hire and whatever. Well, speaking of he does a really good job, Stella hires him because he's got amazing ratings. Which is also creepy. That's rating someone on a star scale of how well they do their job. That's yeah. I- it's just not a thing that it's was so, easy to wrap my brain around and accept. It's bizarre. Especially it's bizarre. because I feel like there are so many ways, A, to make money. Yeah. That don't include selling sex. Selling and your body. B, so many reasons that Stella, like, that this is a bad idea for, not just Stella, but for, like, anyone. It's not a good idea. And Michael doesn't enjoy doing what he does, but he clearly needs the money. Uh, We find out that his dad isn't in the picture, Mm -hmm. but we don't know why. Right. We're unsure why. But we do know that Michael is an adult and there's something that has happened. So we don't quite learn what's going on with that. Uh, They have their first date, I guess you would call it. Mm -hmm. Like they meet for the very first time. Right. And uh, Michael doesn't know what to make of Stella. He's kind of confused by her. Because she makes odd statements, such as, don't eat the lamb, I think it tastes woolly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they, you know, they have their dinner, and Stella has a proposition for him. And the proposition is, she wants to make this a regular thing. He doesn't really know what to think of that. Well, he says no. Like, he knows he's going to turn her down. Yeah. And their next encounter is kind of strange, because it's Stella saying, basically, let's get this over with. Let's just do this. Get it over with. Because she's not comfortable. She's not comfortable. They go up to the room because she rented a room. Go to the room and they're going to have their very first encounter. But Stella freaks out. Right. Uh, But she doesn't freak out right away. No. But she doesn't understand social norms. She doesn't understand how really to interact with people. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, she immediately goes into her coming home routine, which is you walk in the door, you take your shoes off, and your shoes have to be exactly perfect against the wall. And then she starts to second guess whether that was the right thing to do. And who hasn't overthought things in front of other people? I do it all the time. Yeah. So it's just, it's something where she's like, oh, am I supposed to be trying to hide my differentness or she she acknowledges a lot that she's weird in this mm-hmm. but and then he kind of like doesn't care <laughs> yeah he doesn't he doesn't really care so and that's great but then he also is struggling to understand because he's trying to figure out why someone who is like as sweet as she is and as smart as she is is hiring an escort yeah he and he's very very confused he doesn't understand right. in fact when he's Coming up to meet her, he's shocked by who's there, who's waiting for him. Mm-hmm. Because Stella fills her information out on the website stating, I'm Stella Lane, I'm 30. And from his experience, when you're 30, you're really 50. And he doesn't expect Stella. Right. He doesn't expect that to be who his his client's going to be. Mm-hmm. So they go into the room. Stella does her mild panic attack over whether or not it was okay to take her shoes off. And she goes into the bathroom because she needs to decompress. She needs to take a moment to say, okay, what you did was okay. 
he didn't react other than also taking off his shoes. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a moment where he comes in and kind of tries to start it, I guess. I mean, he asks if he can take her hair down and make her comfortable, but I don't think that's something that you can really get comfortable with. It's it's a strange person in your space. But he does figure out that when she's not thinking about what she's supposed to be doing and she's distracted that she's a lot more relaxed and that's kind of where like okay i thought it was weird the tattoo thing that where she got really really fixated on fixated it fixated on his tattoo like i get it kind of like i like tattoos i have tattoos same but we don't fixate on those things I, but she does it was, because it it's was different. just really strange maybe it's because of what the tattoo was maybe that's why it was weird to me because, like, yeah, that's part of, like, the fun things, like, showing each other your tattoos and stuff or asking about them or whatever. Like, that's kind of a normal thing. But her her reaction to his tattoo was, like, the first time she had ever seen one up close, which made sense. Mm-hmm. But then when she starts describing it, I was like, oh, my God. First of all, that is a huge tattoo. <laughs> Where it, like, starts on his chest and wraps around his body and ends on his thigh. That's kind of a sexy tattoo if I'm being honest. It's weird to me. I just well okay so part of it too I think is that he's Vietnamese right? Yeah. And so the dragon tattoo is it was just like have you seen dragon tattoos in the different styles? Yeah. They're just I don't know. It's just not a thing that I would think was like So you're telling me at no point you would want to put like a Chinese dragon on your body. No. Never. Not even if it was, like, the heritage thing? No. I mean, fair. Like, I understand, like, family crest kind of things. Like, I get that. And we have a family seal. But um, I've never considered putting it on my body. Like, if I had to go through and, like, think about my heritage, what, what do I, I would just have a normal... Well, we have, like, Chinese characters in our seal yeah. and stuff. But Mine would be just be, like, a sad white person dragon. It'd be, like, a <laughs> fucking wyvern or something. I just feel like, also, it kind of reminds me... Do you remember in the 90s, those, like, short sleeve button-down shirts? Can I take that one moment and say that you just asked me if I remembered the 90s? Do you remember? I was born in 1985. I remember the 90s Okay, but do you vividly. remember this shirt? Yeah. Okay, so the they weird like, button-up bowling like shirts. Classic shirts mm-hmm. were like kind of Hawaiian style or flames. Yeah. Or oh, God. the dragons, right? The multicolored dragons with like fire or like blue yeah. and red and like a fireball, whatever. So when I picture this tattoo, you're picturing, I'm picturing that shirt that because when you see like classic tattoo styles, especially of dragons. Your options are a little limited in how you can represent a dragon. That's true. And so you're thinking either Disney's Mulan Seal of the Dragon, <laughs> which is like the classic Chinese kind of squarish head with yeah. gold, you know? Mm-hmm. Or I'm thinking the like Ed Hardy Koi style <laughs> with the scales. Yeah. Multicolored, right? But yeah. then she specifically says it's black. So now I'm thinking. A weird black and gray scale giant dragon that wraps around your body is a strange option. It's like... That's a lot of ink. It's like Ed Hardy, but black and white. Yeah. Okay. So do you understand my issue here? Okay. I understand your issue. So in my head, none of those options to me are sexy. 
No, I, I like tattoos a lot. The I like when other people have them. But, like, the wrapping around the body and ending on the thigh is a very strange thing to picture. I want everyone to know that she is saying this as if she and I don't have weirdly placed tattoos. Oh, I definitely do. I don't have any tattoo that wraps around my body, though. No, you just have a shark on your thigh. Yeah. Bruce, he's the greatest. Yeah. Uh, But... I understand so where weird, you're coming from. It's, it's, I can understand where you're coming from because it's not in color. And it was a weird thing to fix on, fixate right. on because it's not something that's in color. It's a black and white dragon tattoo that wraps from one pectoral to the other thigh. Which is just so much tattoo. That's so much work. I'm trying to think of like myself. First off, I'm like five, six. <laughs> Second of all, I'm fat. (laughs) Can you just imagine like a dragon on the side of my boob and like wrapping around my fat back to my fat thigh? It was just a visual thing I struggled with. (laughs) Because I understand and I appreciate tattoos and their sexiness and whatever. I get it. But the option, I feel, what I don't know. (laughs) She feels very passionately. Okay, but part of me is also, I can't think of any tattoo that could be described in black and white as wrapping around someone's body, like their entire body, and being like, like, that is so sexy. Like, if it was a snake, it wouldn't have been sexy. If it was a snake, If it was, like, a weird, like, I I don't even know what your other options would be. What else do you get that could wrap wrap around around your your body? body? Vines. But See, that's that not a very be, masculine. That would be weird too. Because it's not a masculine it's, tattoo. Okay. It's just the location and the size, I think. Okay. I don't know. That's fair. That's It was also a little bit different because um it was like there wasn't an explanation about the dragon as the choice of tattoo. No, there wasn't. Was because there? he didn't say anything. Like, because normally I feel in my experience, and this could be different for a lot of different kinds of Asian families. But there's usually a reason that something is chosen as your family's crest or your family's symbol or, you know, stuff like that. Well, not only that, but we put a lot in place when we're getting our tattoos. So, like, you know, I have my Harry Potter tattoo on the inner ankle. I've got my mountains on my knee. I've got my music notes. I have a flower for my daughter on the back of my neck. I've got, you know, the cancer ribbon on my middle finger. You think about placement and you think about what the tattoo means, why you're getting what you're getting. I like music. I like Harry Potter. The mountain tattoo is from my favorite book. Mm -hmm. The cancer ribbon is for my dad. The flower on my neck is for my daughter. Um, The only one on my body that doesn't have any meaning whatsoever is my paper airplane. But you think about placement and you think about what's going to be where and it all has some kind of a meaning. Like, I know most of your tattoos have some kind of a meaning. Right. The only one that doesn't is the shark. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. But, yeah, it, it's just one of the things where I feel a lot of time people put a lot of thought into it. And people put a lot of interesting, like, telling of a story kind of things mm-hmm. into their tattoos. And so, as an option... Like, a tattoo would be a good idea, but there are other 
things. There are other things that you <laughs> could have done. There are other things. So, what did you think of their first experience together? Their first, like, intimate experience yes, that ended up in a nothing? Sex. Yeah. I think that it was a really good example of showing that patience is super important in any form of a relationship. Yep. I thought that was really important. I appreciated that he, even though he didn't know what was different about Stella, he accepted that there was something different and chose to work with it instead of being like, you're too weird, I can't do this. And I think that was super important to the beginning of their relationship, or I guess of their arrangement, because they kept being like, it's not a relationship. It's not a relationship, yeah. Yeah. There was a level of consent that we don't normally see in romance. In romance. Yeah. That just blew my mind. I We don't even see that level of consent in our everyday lives half the time. And to have a character who understood that one of the other characters was different. Right. Didn't immediately push himself on her. He took his time. I mean, granted, yeah, he was getting paid. And he doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to do. Mm -hmm. But he took the time to read her body language and understand that she was uncomfortable. She was so uncomfortable because she was thinking too much. Right. And instead of forcing himself on her, he took a step back and said, okay, we're going to do this a little bit differently. But this was also really telling about him because after all of this stuff, when we meet his cousins, Kai... It explains to us a lot why he's okay with people that mm-hmm. have different levels of comfort and their issues. Yep. But he's still not able to connect the dots. No. And um, that's kind of a normal thing, too, I think. If you know one person who has autism or one person who has Asperger's, they are never alike at all. No. And um, so I can understand why he didn't understand, but then his cousin you know was a lot different because he was hyper focused on other things yes so there it was just it was different um i appreciated that their first sex scene wasn't actually sex it wasn't actually anything no it was like a lot of foreplay and slight nudity intimacy in a different light yeah which i think is something that people really take for granted they do and they I do. don't understand really why. Like, if you're already going to be in the bed and you're already going to be doing this romantic thing, like, I don't understand why you feel it's necessary to skip the intimacy part. You have to be. You have to be intimate. And I liked that he took the time to kind of teach her where all of her other partners were going wrong. Right. That it was just a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, I'm going home now. Whereas he was like, no, 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 we don't do things like that. We're going to take it slow and I'm going to show you what it means to be intimate with someone. You right. want the whole experience, you're getting the whole experience. I love that. I loved, as a whole, as someone who has read this book twice, because I do really love it, it's nice to see the characters be people. They felt like real people. You know, oftentimes you read a book and you're like, this doesn't care. This character doesn't feel real. Mm-hmm. This, this isn't a person I know. Whereas these two characters could be two people that you know. And the intimacy level was there. And the patience that he had for her was there. I 
loved their dynamic. I loved it a lot. Uh, we have a couple instances where Stella doesn't really understand what's going on. She's never been on a date. So he takes her on a date. She meets his family, which I thought was kind of weird when I first got into it. When I read it the very first time. Well, this was when they have like redone their bargaining on this proposition where it's just supposed to be teach me to be in a relationship, not teach me how to have sex. Yeah. And I think that switch is what made that even come up at all. Yeah, I can see that. I just, I loved everything about it. Um, I did think that it was interesting to see the family dynamic when Stella does have her first major freak out. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's gone over to have dinner with Michael's family. Right. And it's a large Vietnamese family. Mm-hmm. And Stella isn't an only child. And it's she's never in a situation where things are too loud and, and so much is going on. Yet he takes her into this home and his grandma's got the TV on and it's loud and his sisters are bickering and mom's in the kitchen and there's cooking and there's all this stuff going on. Now as someone who is part of a not necessarily large and my family's not overly huge or anything but we are part italian on my mom's side and we can get rowdy (laughs) we have you know when the the family's over it's someone's in the kitchen cooking the kids are running around like crazy things and it's loud and it's crazy and i don't particularly enjoy it it's very frustrating for me because there's sensory overload so i understood where stella was coming from in that sensory overload there's too much going on all at once but i also understand where he's coming from this is his family this is normal that's how my life is but Mm -hmm. i tend to sit back um and, and i don't always speak because it's just easier don't add to the noise if you can help it but my family we can get quite quite rowdy and it was interesting to see her come into this and she's already overwhelmed she's very overwhelmed there's a lot going on there's a lot to see it's very loud and then something happens um someone is putting food into a microwave and they're going to put it in the microwave in the plastic And that is one of Stella's no's. I can't do that. And she tries to explain, you should probably put that in glass. And it causes this big thing and she panics. Rightfully so. I mean, if it's your thing and you can't do it, you might as well panic. I've had many moments where my no comes up and I'm like, no, I can't do that. (laughs) That's not happening. And I've spoken up. I've said things. I mean... I think you've been around a couple times where I'm just oh, like, I can't sure, do yeah. it. <laughs> don't, don't do that. It's awful. But she freaks out and Michael's trying to handle it, but his mom is crying. She needs to leave the room and everybody's kind of sitting, trying to wait to see how he's going to handle this. Right. 
it was interesting. It was interesting to see her panic. And it was interesting to see the way that he handled the situation. Because if it were me, I would need to leave. I, I would I would leave both parties and I'd have to go away. I, I can't It was that. just this perfect storm of she was in a new place. Mm-hmm. She was eating new foods. Mm-hmm. She hit one of her, that's not cool, I'm not going to do that things. And then was simultaneously <laughs> insulting the family. Yep. But without realizing she was. Yep. And so it's just like a really tense situation where, um, you know, she didn't realize that she's creating this disaster. And she had no way of knowing that some of the problems were as big as they were. Yeah. You know, commenting on, you should buy this. I know it's a little bit more expensive, but it's worth it. Um, But how would she know their financial situation? She doesn't know anything really about Michael himself and what's going on in the family Mm -hmm. and what's happening. So she has no idea. Mm -hmm. She's no clue. That's hard. That when you don't know somebody. And I think the whole first half of this book is these two characters. And really, we're getting to know Stella. Mm-hmm. And then we're getting to know Michael. Right. But they're not getting to know each other. And it's mostly because they're trying to keep this boundary of professionalism. But in a relationship that is like a romantic relationship. Yeah. There was a weird line and they were trying not to cross mm-hmm. that weird line. Right. This is the professional line and this is the relationship line and they're very close to each other and we can't cross them. Do you have anything else in the first portion of this book that you must absolutely have to talk about? I don't really think so. This the middle section of the book kind of just brings us up to understanding who these two characters are. Yeah. And kind of why they are the way they are. But it leaves a lot of information out. Whereas in the second half, we get the rest of the information and you just kind of hit this frustrational wall over and over and over. Yeah. Until like the last chapter or two. <laughs> yeah. I remember feeling that as well. The first half of this book is informational. It is... These are the characters, this is the situation, and this is how it's going to be handled. Whereas the last half of the book is where we get all the drama and the things, you know, the secrets come out. And and we find out more about Michael's situation. And we find out, you know, Stella finally says, this is what's going on. And feelings, (laughs) they have them. Yeah. Whereas the first half of the book is, this is the arrangement that we're going to be in. I hope that works for you. Please help me. Mm -hmm. I am bad at this. I do want to say that Kai, the cousin, the sequel to The Kiss Quotient, it's called The Bride Test, has been released, I think, like a week ago. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I had it on pre-order because I love this one so much. I pre-ordered it. But the second book is about Kai and his super Vietnamese mother. Being like, no, you have to have a bride. Let me help you. And and not understanding Kai himself, I don't think. I haven't Mm -hmm. read it yet. But uh, it is something that I'm interested in reading, just to see from Kai's point of view as well. I enjoyed the first half. I did. I think I enjoyed the second half a lot more. Because, like I said, that's when you start learning more Mm -hmm. about the characters. Yeah. Any expectations you have about the second half? 
I know you've already read the whole book. Did you have anything that was like, this has to happen or I'm out? No, not really. I think I was more focused on how frustrating a lot of aspects of the relationship are. Okay, fair. Yeah, and how much I hate Philip James. Yeah, Philip James is the worst. Yeah, he's kind of shitty. So, yeah, I think that we're pretty much done with the first half. We talked a lot in depth about Michael's tattoo. I think that was cats. Just, ugh, why is this a thing? <laughs> so we will be back next time when we discuss uh, the second half, the last half of the yep. book. Uh, we should have a lot more to talk about. Because there's a lot more that happens at the end. Yes. Uh, it's one of our, one of my favorites. I don't know how you feel about it. I not just, one of my favorites. Not one of your favorites? No. No? Didn't like this one? It was, it was okay. It was okay? All right. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that when we get to the end of the next episode. And yeah. you have to put a star rating on it. Yeah. We'll see. It's, it's probably going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. We're going to have some feelings about it i do anyways i like i said i enjoyed this book uh so we're gonna go ahead and end it here don't forget to rate comment and subscribe follow us on instagram and twitter all of that information can be found in the show notes uh thank you for listening bye bye